sunny St. Leonard's on the south coast of the UK. This is the Keto Woman Podcast. Brought to you by me, Daisy Brackenhall. Hello, Keto Lovelies, and welcome to episode number 220, where I'm going to be talking about my take on how best to start keto. And me being me, that's going to mean it's a little bit rambly and it's going to go over a good few weeks. So I'm going to try and break it down into bite-sized chunks that hopefully you're going to find helpful. And do a very, very quick roundup. There's not really much to report and I want to get stuck into this week's episode. We have had a couple of really cold, frosty mornings. So those have been fun swims. It's been low tide this week, so much easier to swim if there are some waves. But there was one absolutely perfect day, Wednesday, I think it was. And I think this probably has to be my perfect winter day. There was a wonderful blue sky. The sun was shining. There was a frost on everything. I'm not sure exactly the temperature. I think it was probably around two or three degrees. There was certainly a fairly hard frost on all the cars as I was walking down. So the sea was definitely much warmer than the air temperature that day. And in fact, I've got one of those little swimming pool thermometer things that I tied to my swimming costume and took him with me. And apparently the sea is at 10 degrees. I'm not sure whether that's true or not. It certainly feels a bit colder than that, but I don't see why the thermometer would be wrong. But that has to be my perfect winter day. And it really was a perfect winter swimming day too. And I really enjoyed it. Yes, it was cold. And I've learned that on days like that, get your changing gear as close to the water as you can, because there's only a matter of not very much time before your hands get so cold, I find anyway, when I come out that it gets difficult to change. So it's kind of a race to get your clothes on and get some gloves on so I can be drinking my coffee at that point where you've got that after drop where you actually feel a lot colder than you did when you first came out. So it's all about the timing and getting wrapped up nice and warm. So you can enjoy just looking at the other people going in, just absorb that sunshine. And yes, you can tell, can't you, how much I enjoy it. And I also found a pebble that looked like E.T. So, you know, doesn't get much better than that, does it? But that's about it, really. The dogs are all fine. The cats are fine. This episode probably is landing a bit late. I'm only now just recording it and it's Friday evening. I've had a hell of a headache today and most of yesterday and haven't felt much like doing anything. So I'm getting this recorded now and depending how late I work into the evening will depend whether it gets released today or if not, it will be tomorrow. So apologies for the tardiness of this week's episode. This is a collection of ideas and information that I've been accumulating for years now. I've had plans for turning it into something, even went as far as thinking of a name. I was going to call it Keto Curious. That's curious with a K. Even went as far as buying the domain name. 
that's a little bit what I'm like. I'm good at planning. I'm good at thinking of the ideas, but I have real issues when it comes to that final part of putting everything together. All sorts of things going on there, perfectionism and procrastination, you name it. But we won't get into uh, trying to diagnose what the problems are. It reminds me actually of a tutor I had at university who recognized this problem. I used to do the most amazing essay plans. This was when I was doing my English literature degree and I would make copious notes. I would do all the reading. I would do the research. I would figure out which quotes I wanted to use. I would have written the notes and paragraphs about that. I'd have the whole essay structure there. I'd have thought of the perfect introduction, the perfect closing, set out the paragraphs, you know, all but written the essay, really. You know, I was 80% or whatever there. But that final part, that final part of putting the essay together was so painful to me. I often found it nigh on impossible to do. And I always felt a bit let down if I did manage to do it by the end result. So this one particular tutor recognized this problem in me and actually accepted my essay plans instead of a whole essay. She could see all the work I put in. She could see that I'd basically written the essay, just couldn't quite put it together at the end. And so I would hand in my essay plans. And although I've never got really close to that end product, I've had all these bits and pieces floating around and I've made nothing of them really, apart from chatting to people in my Facebook groups and things like that. So bits and pieces of this information have dribbled out over the years but I've never actually done anything with it. And I thought it was about time that I shared some of that in the hope that it might be a bit helpful to you because what's the point of just keeping it all to myself? So I thought, well, I'll start here. I'll start with what I do. I'll start putting it out there as a few podcast episodes. And then who knows, you know, maybe I can repackage it with some extra bits and pieces and even add a price tag to it and put it out there in a different form later on. But this seems to be a good place to start as it's what I do every week. So this is just all these ideas that I've been squirreling away, all those little notes I've written down and have been adding to and changing over the years. And I guess it's the sort of how I would start keto with the benefits of hindsight and the knowledge that I've accumulated, that sort of package that I want to share with you. And that reminds me, I thought it might make for a good episode at the end of this series to have a collection of those kind of tips from you. Because a big part of the way I feel about keto is that keto is all about finding a way to make it work for you. And that way is so different. That approach is so different. It depends on so many things. It depends on who you are, what kind of person you are, what you feel about different kinds of foods. And so my approach is something that I've worked on over the years that might work really well for one person, but not 
for somebody else. So I'd really like to share some of your tips. So think of that question with the benefit of hindsight and all the knowledge that you've accumulated, the changes you've made. If you were to go back and talk to your newbie keto self, what kind of advice would you be giving? How would you be telling that former you to start, what to look out for, what to do, what not to do? And I'll have a think about it too. And maybe we can mix them all up and make an episode of it. If you feel particularly adventurous, you could record something for me on your phone, on your voice app, something like that, and send it in to me. But whatever, if you feel like contributing, send me a message, send me a voice message, however you want to do it. Send me those tips to your former self and I'll cobble them together into an episode. So what am I going to be talking about for these next few weeks? Let me give you a quick overview. As I've been adding to all my keto curious notes, I've been thinking about all these different pillars of health. And of course, what you eat is only one of them, but it is a place to start. And that's what we're going to be talking about. You know, it is about starting keto after all. But one of the biggest things I've learned is that the food part, what you're eating, really is one of the smallest parts of the jigsaw and really one of the easiest parts to get to know because it's not difficult, right? Keto is not difficult, or at least it doesn't need to be. And I guess that's one of the things to think about going forward and keeping it simple. I mean, you can make it complicated if that's what floats your boat. There's no reason you have to keep it simple, but it doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be complicated. And there will be a form of keto or low carb out there that you can make work for you. So I've had different ideas about the structure and what I've ended up with is let's look at the five W's, you know, thinking of writing essays, thinking of all sorts of things. This is often the place to start, isn't it? The W's, who, why, what, where and when. And we're going to start with a bit of a preparation week, a prequel, if you like, to keto. Keto itself really is dead easy. And if you know nothing about it, you can really think about it just as eating really simply and lowering the carbs. And it doesn't have to get much more complicated than that. The chances are you do know something about it. And we're going to be talking probably next week about the basics of keto, what you can eat, what you can't eat, or probably more accurately, what you decide you're going to eat or not eat. But with that loose idea in your mind, I just want you to start thinking about your current way of eating and how you might start heading towards keto and how you feel about it. But other than that, for now, let's just put the practicalities and any talk of tracking and macros and all that stuff on the shelf to talk about another week. And before we dive in, I just want to say who this is not for. You might have gathered already, partly from the fact that I can't help myself when it comes to rambling, that this is not going to be a quick fix, crash diet type approach. It's not going to be one of those two week or month miracle diet plans. 
this is all about taking the time to really overhaul your way of eating to help you move towards a happier, healthier you. And I'm kind of approaching this as advice for somebody who's completely new to keto, but I think it's also a good thing sometimes to go back to those basics if you've been doing keto for a while and just have a bit of a a rethink. And people talk about reset challenges, don't they? And it's not really that, but I guess just sort of going back to the beginning. Sometimes there are some steps that I think are important with the benefit of hindsight that maybe you missed out on and you might benefit from going back and thinking about them now. So kind of pretend that you're coming at it as a newbie. And you've probably heard this phrase, and if you haven't, it won't be long before you do in one of the keto groups that you're bound to join on Facebook or wherever. And that is, keto is a lifestyle, not a diet. And I have heard that a lot over my time. But to me, it always sounded a little bit judgmental in the context I would see it, usually a Facebook group. And I always felt a little bit like I was being told off. Because like it or not, most of us do come across keto looking for a new diet. It's certainly the reason I started. It's not the reason I stayed, but it's the reason I started. And I've always felt it's all very well someone saying this to me. Oh, you've got to make it a lifestyle. It's all about making it a lifestyle, not a diet. Yeah, but what do you mean by that? Well, the part of that that I think is important to take away is that a key part of how well this is going to work is whether or not you can make it about who you are, making that identity change. And if you're familiar with James Clear, his book, Atomic Habits, he talks about how the best way to make habits really stick in the long term is to make an identity change, to make it about who you are, because then it becomes easy. And it makes making decisions a lot easier because the choices you have are much more limited. You know, think about people you know who eat a certain way and who really have made it part of their identity. The easiest example often to use for this are people who are vegans. And I think we can learn a lot from them. They are very, very clear cut. Okay, so the details about what they actually eat is very different from person to person. But they've set up very clear boundaries. And being a vegan is very much a part of their identity and ripples out to the rest of their lifestyle and impacts the choices that they make. And I think it helps a lot with that kind of mentality a lot of people get into about cheating, cheating on their diet. And I think it's far less easy to do when it just becomes part of your identity because you don't look at it in the same way anymore. So I want to start with the who from the five W's, who you are, who you want to be, and how best you're going to get there. There are so many ways to start keto, to continue with keto, to tweak keto. And how you start probably won't be how you're doing it a year from now. My point here is 
that there will be a way to make it work for you. And it's all about finding a keto plan that works for you. It's not about trying to contort yourself into that latest fad diet box, trying to get yourself to fit a diet. It's about getting this diet, getting this way of eating to fit you. How many times have you tried to contort yourself into that latest fad diet box? Over the years, I certainly have many, many times. There's a reason that they're short. They're difficult to stick to. And you also usually get pretty good results in those first few weeks. It's mostly water weight, of course, you lose. But you certainly feel like you can tick that box that it's working if working is just losing a bit of weight. But then inevitably, it stops working and you're on your own looking for the next one that might work, maybe going back to your old ways and regaining the bit of weight that you've lost, plus a bit extra for luck. And you've probably felt like a bit of a failure. But I just want to stop there for a minute. So have you tried and quote unquote failed multiple times? And how do you look at that? Are you looking at that as a failure? Or do you maybe look at it as the fact that you're actually pretty bloody determined to keep trying over and over and over again. Because I want you to know that this is going to be hard sometimes. But as my good friend Terry Lance says, you can do hard things. And I want you to sit back for a minute and think of an example of one of those times that you did accomplish one of the things that you were trying to do, that you'd set out to do. The easiest one for me that always comes to mind because I was so strongly motivated to do it was to learn how to drive. Now, I'd been watching different people drive, you know, watching my parents drive, things like that, especially when I knew I was coming up to that time that it would be my time to learn how to drive and I'd be in the driver's seat I was watching with great interest and thinking, well, you know, that doesn't look too hard. Yes, there are all these practical things you have to learn and it is going to be a challenge, but it doesn't look that hard. So when I started my formal driving lessons, it came as a huge, huge shock to me. This is really, really hard and I can't just do it straight away like I thought I was going to be able to. And it really knocked my confidence. And I started to doubt myself, you know, am I ever going to be able to do this? It was so frustrating and so many different things to learn, all the practical aspects of driving, as well as all the things you have to be aware of going on around you, learning the highway code, remembering all the things you had to remember. It felt like a mountain I was going to have to climb, but I did it. And now it's second nature. And I think back to that time and I can really remember how frustrating and difficult it was, but I did it. So like Terry says, you can do hard things. And I don't know what your example will be, but surely you've got one. And if you can't think of one, you won't be able to remember yourself, but imagine yourself learning to walk that was hard and you wouldn't have been able to do it straight away. 
There were steps that you had to go through that we all go through to learn how to walk. But once we can do it, once we've learned how to do it, it's easy. It's second nature. But going back to maybe thinking of yourself as a failure when it comes to diets, think also for a minute about watching a child learning how to walk. What do you do with all those steps as it progresses further and further to being able to walk? Now, I'm not a parent, so I am sure I don't have the exact steps right here, but you get the gist of it. First of all, the baby lifts its head. Then it can hold itself up a bit more. It's crawling. Then it's taking those first tentative steps towards pulling itself up, maybe against a chair or something like that, being able to stand. And then those first few drunken, teetering steps forwards. But what do you do as that child attempts and quote unquote fails at those steps before it's able to master them? Do you dismiss it and put it down or are you encouraging? Yeah, it's not a failure. You're not failing. You're taking steps towards achieving what you're working towards. You wouldn't dream of putting the child down. You wouldn't dream of focusing on the failure, would you? You would focus on those little steps towards success, those little steps towards overcoming this challenge. So I want you to try and keep that mindset going when you're taking these steps towards learning how to keto. Be a little bit kind to yourself. Be that kind parent. Be your own coach. But you're not just a cheerleader. It's not just about being endlessly positive no matter what. You do need some boundaries and you need some checking too. So maybe think of somebody in your life who strikes that balance really well. It might be a parent, it might be another relative, a friend, maybe a teacher you had, a mentor of some kind, someone in your life who strikes that balance between putting air under your wings, but not just blowing smoke up your ass for the sake of it. The people that come to my mind and my dad's parents, Granny and Grampy, they were always wonderful people to be around. And I felt so warm and loved and supported when I went to stay with them. Looking back on it, I think, you know, what I was feeling was that unconditional love. But I did have to fit into some boundaries it wasn't just all about doing whatever I wanted, but they were so supportive. But it was this wonderful balance of fitting into the structure of their lives. And they did have quite a fixed structure with their day to day. You know, they had a set time, they got up and they went to bed, things they did in the morning, things they did in the afternoon. And I was expected to and was happy to fit into that. And there was a time in the afternoon after my grandmother had had her early afternoon nap, there was always this time set aside for me where we'd go and do something that I wanted to do. 
she lived just down the road from me actually in Worthing so we'd often go down to the sea or you know whatever it was just something that was for me and then in the evenings we'd do something like playing card games and things like that so it was just this wonderful nurturing environment and I can remember them whenever I had different ideas about what I was going to be when I grew up there was just this absolute belief that I would be able to be whatever it was I wanted to be and I'd be good at it. And I always felt that. So it was just this wonderful, nurturing environment to be in. But it did have boundaries. You know, I can remember being told off a few times, being reminded of those boundaries, being checked. So that's the kind of person I want you to be for yourself really supportive, but in a realistic way that helps get you through those more difficult times when you're finding it hard. Now, another big part of this who element is figuring out who you are and what kind of approach is going to suit you. And the best person I think to help with this is Gretchen Rubin. If you're familiar with her work, you'll know this already. And if you've listened to me over on Monday Mindset, you'll have heard me mention her many, many times. But I'm a big fan of her work around the four tendencies. It's all about how you react to rules. Be those external rules, so rules that other people are trying to impose on you, or internal rules, rules that you're trying to impose on yourself. And this is really, really useful when you're trying to adopt new habits. So figuring out which of the four tendencies you are, and there's usually some overlap, you're not just one, you're usually a mix. And she has a quiz, which is a great place to start. I'll find the link and I'll put it in the show notes so that you can go and take the quiz for yourself. And she has some great videos on YouTube. I think there's a TED talk and things like that where she talks a lot about them. They're very entertaining, well worth watching. But basically there are four upholders, obligers, rebels, and questioners. Now, if you're an upholder, you quite probably won't be listening to this because you won't need it. It's quite likely that you'll never have needed to go looking for a new diet in the first place because upholders are great with rules. They're great with external rules. They're great with internal rules. You decide on a plan, you follow it. My father's like this. And he just finds it easy when he decides to do something the very next day, he'll start doing it. And that's not to say there aren't challenges. That's not to say he doesn't find it difficult to give up a certain food or to adopt a new habit, but he does it. So I'm not sure how often upholders come into the equation in this context, to be honest. Obligers don't do very well with trying to impose internal rules. They're much more motivated by external rules. So obligers do well being held accountable by other people. So you're probably starting to see how this might help you figure out 
which approach is going to help you. So somebody who's an obliger is going to do really well with a plan that has these external expectations holding you to account, asking you to maybe check in every week and report your progress. That's going to be really motivating for you. It's going to really help you manage and achieve those steps towards your goals. Let's go now to the other end of the scale and talk briefly about rebels. I'm a rebel. I'm also a questioner. But rebels really don't like rules. They don't like rules. They don't like self-imposed rules and they don't like other people's rules. If you try and impose rules on a rebel, they're not only going to want to flout them, but they're going to want to do the opposite just because. So trying to force yourself into some kind of accountability program or some kind of keto plan that's too regimented and too formulaic probably isn't going to work for you if you're a rebel because you're just going to rail against it. You're going to rebel. For a rebel, you've got to feel like you're making the decisions because you want to. And now that's not to say that you won't stick really well to a plan, but it's got to be your plan and it's got to be because you want to do it. Questioners, pretty obvious. They question everything. They've got to have a good reason to do something. But then they'll find it a lot easier to do. They tend to like researching. And this is me. I'm a questioner probably every bit as much as I am a rebel. I like doing all that research. I like to question things. So I won't just take it for red when you tell me to do something. I'll want to know why. Questioners are those people who say, but why all the time? Explain it to me. I need to understand before I'm happy to do something. So figuring out which one or more of these tendencies resonate with you is going to really help you work out the plan for keto that's going to work for you. So I really recommend going off and taking the quiz, watching 15 minute TED talk, not going to take you very long and start thinking about which tendencies you have. And then the other thing I want you to do is to start journaling in whatever form works for you. You might be old school like me and like pen and paper. Maybe you've got a notes app on your phone or maybe you like voice notes or video notes. It doesn't matter. Just start getting into the habit of keeping a journal of some kind and take some early measurements that you note in this journal. Take some photos. These are photos that you don't ever have to share with anybody else. But believe me, you're going to regret it if you don't take some photos, say every month or so. I didn't take very many and I really wish I had because it's such a good reminder to be able to see those photos over a period of time because we do tend to forget. And if this is at least in part about weight loss, it's going to be handy to find out how much you weigh and some basic measurements. 
as many as you want to take really, but I would take at least waist and hips. If you can, get some basic blood tests done. If you're in the UK, there's a really good cheap mail order package and I'll put a link in the show notes. It's called Monitor Your Health, I think. And I think for about £50, you can get a basic lipid panel, A1C, also tells you about your thyroid and I think vitamin D. And there will be similar things you can do in other countries. You might be able to ask your doctor to do basic blood tests. Really useful, especially things like your A1C and your lipid profile. These are going to be really useful for a comparison and really good health markers. So you can see how you're progressing on the inside as well as the outside. But when it comes to the journal, I just want you to start being mindful around food because after all, we are talking about changing your diet. So just notice and record what you're eating. Now, I'm not talking about putting it into a tracking app. I'm just talking about making a note. I had bacon and eggs for breakfast. I had cereal for breakfast. We're talking here about starting where you are where you're at, not where you're going to. So just make a note. What do you eat? When do you eat it? Where do you eat it? Are you grabbing something as you're walking out the door and eating it in your car, eating it as you're walking down the street? Do you sit down and eat it at the dinner table? Are you taking time? How long does it take you to eat? Are you eating with other people? Are you eating on your own? Do you eat in front of the television? How does it make you feel? Is it something you look forward to? Is it something you think about during the day, planning your evening meal, getting excited about it? Or is it just more something that you do to fuel yourself? How do you feel when you're eating your food? Are you enjoying it? Do you take time to appreciate it? Or do you just shovel it in really quickly as you're watching the television? How do you feel before and afterwards? Have you got really hungry before you've eaten? Do you feel satiated after you've eaten? How often do you eat in the day? What are you drinking? All these things, just start taking some notes and being mindful about it because that's going to help when you start wanting to make some changes. And lastly, just think through what some of the potential stumbling blocks might be. Are there any hurdles in the way that you can think of for making these changes? Maybe you anticipate some problems fitting this in around your family, your partner, your friends. Maybe you feel like you haven't got enough time, haven't got enough money, haven't got enough motivation. Whatever it is, just think about some of the hurdles that might be in your way and we can figure out some ways to make it a bit easier to get over them. And the biggest reason why I want you to think about all these things is that it's you that has the answers. You are the one who's in control and you can do this. Now, usually I ask my guest for a top tip, but there's no guest. So I thought I'd try and come up with my own top tips for each of these weeks. And so my top tip this week is don't underestimate yourself. You've accomplished hard things before. You can do it. 
So please forgive me for being such a rambler. I know I ramble all over the place. Other people do these solo episodes and they manage to make them far more succinct and far more direct. Maybe that's one of the reasons why I've struggled so much to put this information out there because I'm a rambler. But hopefully you've got something from it and you'll join me next week when I'm not exactly sure yet what we're going to talk about, but probably the what of the W's. We'll start talking about some of the basics of how to keto and the changes that you're going to start wanting to make. So I'm going to leave you as always with this week's end quote. And this comes from Dan Grief from Deliciously Guilt-Free. At least I'm assuming it's his quote. He has this really nice thing he does when he sends out his cakes. I say he, I should say the Deliciously Guilt-Free team, people who make the cakes, the people who package them up and send them out. When it comes out, there's these little pieces of paper in there. And one of the things that gets sent out is a quote of the day. And I particularly like this one that came with my just before Christmas order. And so I kept it to use and share with you one week. And this felt like a good week to do it. So this is from Dan Grief and the Deliciously Guilt-Free team. Take life one choice at a time. If you make a choice that you're not happy with, make a different one next time. So there you have it. Thanks for staying with me right to the end. I hope if you were curious about keto, this has helped. Not that we've talked that much about keto yet, but starting to think about the who part of the jigsaw. Join me next time when I'll be rambling on about one of the others. And if you've been ketoing for a while, I hope it's given you something to ponder on maybe. Wherever you are, I hope you're heading into a fabulous weekend. Happy New Year, by the way. I haven't wished you a Happy New Year yet. I think this is the first episode. Yes, it is the first episode of the New Year, isn't it? The last one came out on New Year's Eve. So a very Happy New Year to you. And I hope you're heading into a very fabulous weekend. Until I see you back here next time, please take very good care. Bye-bye, Keto lovelies. 